0: Patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. Okay, so for our final (coughs) experience together on drums, because right after this we're going to go take a yoga class again. Yes! Yoga class number four in four days. Man, what a crazy experience that's been.
1: That's been incredible. I mean, I've never done anything like this. I haven't either. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the ultimate yoga drum hang. You should uh, set something up like this. A retreat. A retreat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yoga, drumming, <coughs> great food.
1: Yeah. Man, I think we're onto something. Yeah. As long as, no, as long
0: as there's no gigs after it. Right.
1: <laughs> that, or make it part of the program. You know? Make it part of the program. Gigs right. every night.
0: That'd be perfect.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so we're going to have Mark show us three grooves that are, are important to know. Three things that you need to have in your bag of tricks so you can survive in a lot of situations. You might get called for a gig and you have to play four different styles during that night and you may not know all of them. So let's take a look and see what Mark has for us on these three important g- grooves to know.
1: Okay, uh, I've got two in mind, and the third I'm just gonna have to improvise.
0: Great. <laughs> improvise, that's an so, important groove.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just play, well, I think one of the greatest drum lessons I ever had was from Paquito de Rivera, mm-hmm. who said, Coño, just play something that works. Yeah, right, it's <laughs> easy. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, one of the grooves I'd like to discuss, it's really two, but it's one, if you really look at it. Okay, what it is, is samba and bossa nova. Uh, As Bernard Purdy said, samba and a bossa are so close, most of us don't know the difference. (laughs) Bossa and the samba are so close, most of us don't know the difference. (laughs) But... What I'd like to say is that it's really the same rhythm, it's just a different attitude. Mm. So uh Rosa Passos who you should check out if you want to hear some great samba bossa nova, she said Bossa is like holding a baby.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One that's not wiggling around and trying to get loose. <laughs> right. So, whereas samba is more like, okay, let's toss the baby back and forth at a street party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Samba basically is coming from two instruments very close to what I have here one is the surdo that's the bass drum and it looks like a giant floor tom it's played with a big mallet and the hand so the sound is you can do this on a floor tom and one a two a one a two a one a two a one so you notice I'm closing the sound on one one holding the head so it doesn't vibrate and then releasing it on two, two. And I play a little pickup with the other hand just to give it some groove. So when you hear bass players playing samba, that's what you should be hearing. Um, same thing for uh, if someone's playing solo piano, the left hand, solo guitar, the thumb, that's the root of everything.
0: So it might translate into duration of note? Short, short, long, short, yeah. short long.
1: exactly. And sometimes you can simplify it and just play short, long, Mm -hmm. short, long. So, for example, if I play this bass drum just with a dead stroke and then with a rebound stroke, it sounds like one, two, one, two. So the first beat, you'll notice, is really soft. I'm doing that on purpose because it's more of a closing rather than a another big hit. So if I speed that up, I can play something like... So, uh, you know, no matter what bass drum you have, even if there's a little muffling in it, you can kind of get a difference in tone between Mm -hmm. the dead stroke and the rebound. Right. And that's kind of... I remember the first time I tried that. I was messing around with that and I did it on a Brazilian gig. And uh, CG New Teixeira, the Brazilian keyboardist on the gig, he, he just he just turned around and just flipped. So uh, so I kept it in my repertoire. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> now of course we were recording with a muffled bass drum for our purposes earlier, but you would play with a more open tuned bass drum. Nothing in it maybe even.
1: Uh I don't know. You know, I, I usually just come to the gig and see what's there. I
0: mean, you were able it's, to control that. Yeah. I heard the two pitches and two tones right. that's, that's with the muffled attention. bass drum Yeah, because you're a master.
1: <laughs> well, but, but usually, usually it might be a muffled bass drum. It might be a, an open bass drum. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. If it's an 18 with two heads, no muffling, then I might take a, a, a small towel and just roll it up and put it between the paddle and the right. head at the lowest point I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Not to choke it off, you know, but just to control it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know some jazz drummers would be like, "Oh, you know, that's some suburban stuff," you know. <laughs> but you know, sometimes you need that because, right. uh, uh, like, playing with Elian Elias, it was a jazz gig, but it was also mm-hmm. heavy ensemble, and I didn't want to bury Mark Johnson because he's one of the best bass players in the world. So I just took, you know, just kind of like mm-hmm. took it easy on the volume of the bass drum and. Uh, you know, you can still have it open, but just try to control it somehow. Okay, so back to the sort standard kind of bass drum pattern is more like this. Now I'm playing this heel down. If I play it heel up, so you notice a difference. If I play a heel up, I get doo-doo, 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 doo-doo. but if I play heel down, I get boom 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 boom. So really what's right is what's right for you but what's right for the music Mm -hmm. so you just make a choice and just go with it but usually i play heel down because it's easy and in most of the situations i'm playing i don't need to like really power through it i'm mostly blending with acoustic instruments like piano and guitar etc but sometimes there's a big band or something like and you have to just you know power through it so it just depends on how you're set up and there's other surdo patterns. There are, uh, there are a couple of counter surdo patterns to this pattern. There's one that plays the open tone on one. So the effect is... Almost like a bass line. And then there's one called... Uh, uh, cortador or surdo de, de corchi. Cortar means to cut. So this sound is higher in pitch and it just cuts through the frequencies of the other surdos. And it plays something like. It's more a syncopated pattern that we kind of associate it with, uh, with partido alto. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then, uh, so moving on, the other instrument is the uh, tambourine. Not the tambourine that you shake, but the tambourine small drum like this. That sounds like tak tuck So I'm making the movement as if I'm playing a tambourine. I mean I can pick up a probably one of those pads and do the same thing. Right. But basically the effect is So uh The basic, a very basic pattern you can play is but you have to throw some variations in otherwise it kind of gets stale. Mm -hmm. And that goes with anything you play. If you don't throw variations in, it starts to sound automatic and that's when it gets really boring. Not that you have to go crazy and change it all the time, but you have to do some subtle variations. So I kind of, uh, sort of discovered a method for that. Anyway, if you put this all together, um, okay, so of course we need some hi-hat in here, so um, I'm going to play sixteenths. Now the thing, uh, the mistake a lot of people make is for people to accent all on the beat. As soon as I hit an upbeat up here, there's a clash. Mm-hmm. So what I do is... I just play a subtle accent all with the tip and I play whatever I'm accenting here. So what I'm trying to get away from is the feeling of an ostinato on Mm. the top end and that goes for the ride too which I'll get to.
0: Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, if I speed it up. Something like that. So you can play the exact same rhythms for bossa that you can for samba and it it works out just fine. You just have to uh, tailor it to the tune. You know, that's really what it's about anyway. If you're playing a bossa, like a lot of times I asked a student to play a bossa and they would play. Okay, that sounds fine for like two bars, but then what? (laughs) <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> kind of gets, kind of gets to sound like a like one of those machines that you can just press a button. Yeah. Uh, so, what I suggest is playing that that first pattern I played on the tambourine, but then at random subtracting notes out of that. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you have something that's fresh and in the moment, but also uh, consistent, more or less. And I figure, well, if you can do that for that, why not do that for like a funk bass drum pattern or something like that? Mm -hmm. You know, just like play different parts of the rhythm but don't play the whole thing all the time. And then uh, the other consideration is the phrasing of this. So far I have this phrase on the downbeat but sometimes the music is on the other side. So I sort of discovered by accident that sometimes my pattern was feeling good with the band and sometimes it wasn't. I was wondering why that was, and I found out it was the anticipation point. Mm. So if I play that first, one and two, and one and two. Makes sense to, if you're going to play a fill, anticipate out of it. I mean, there's exceptions to everything. Yeah. Sometimes the music is not that way for the whole tune. Sometimes it switches. It's a little bit looser like that in Brazilian music. What's
0: the what's the um, I've always wondered this, and I've kind of made up my own belief of uh, the the presence of the concept of clave in bossa nova. Is there a three two and a two three because the bossa nova clave, the bossa nova clave yeah. that you played in the beginning, of the young student plays, that kind of has a. Uh, 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 It's kind of like a three-two rumba clave.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's not really... Nobody really talks about clave in Brazilian music, but... So the uh, the
0: phrasing doesn't necessarily stick to the key? No, no. no. Everything
1: else is... Nothing really relates to a clave as it does in Latin music. Right, okay. Like a Cuban music.
0: Interesting, okay. Yeah,
1: because I was thinking about this this morning, like varying this, varying the groove and then um, everything's sort of varying at the same time. Mm-hmm. But in Afro-Cuban, uh, like what we call mambo out of convenience, son more or less, we might be playing a cascada and clave. And we might just be sticking with that, but there's enough variation in the other percussion. And if we're playing alone, we have to vary another part of it to keep it interesting. Right. But the basic thing is still there in the basic clave. Is still there, but uh, in bossa, there's no there's no necessity for playing a clave in the music. Right. The music is not written.
0: So the the, so the choice to go back to that simple student rim shot cross stick pattern that you played, you could go uh 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 uh, or you go uh
1: uh 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 uh. Yeah. Either one of those. Yeah. but and it's might, totally the, the valid. Part if, it, if, of it's, the, if it fits the tune, it's totally valid. So I can't say it's not valid to play that. But so the,
0: fitting the music is the most yeah. important part of what we're doing.
1: Yeah. I think there was a recording with uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim and, uh, and Sting mm-hmm. doing Once I Loved. Mm-hmm. And Paulo Braga, one of the greatest Brazilian drummers, bar none, was playing... Maybe he had a backbeat or something like that. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes that's just, you know, sometimes he plays. And sometimes that sounds the best, Yeah. even in samba. Sometimes I do that, and, and things just gel. And right. Things just kind of, it's like a magnet. Yeah. You know, everything is, like,
0: well, some of those together. Some of those, like, Motown tunes are...
1: Cut, cut, cut. Yeah, the whole
0: time it's quarter notes. Yeah, and it feels so good. So yeah. like that's that human thing of regardless of the culture, there's something about that that is okay. That makes exactly, us, makes us exactly.
1: Good. Yeah. So it's very basic. So uh, then when you get to the ride cymbal in samba, you know I hear a lot of people playing ostinatos. Okay, that could be okay, but the. The problem I have with that is if they p- try to play a two-bar phrase here and just this ostinato here, because it's not on the same page. Right. This is supporting this, uh-huh. and there's nothing supporting this. Uh-huh. So what I do is it's yeah. as if I'm sitting here playing a tambourine, right? Just jamming. Yeah. You know and this goes with it. I can't play as many, uh, I mean, I could play as many notes, but it kind of wouldn't really sound that great. So I can play more notes here, and play the basic phrase here, and have this here. Now, if I really want to play a shorter phrase here, like an ostinato, sometimes what I do is play a shorter phrase here. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a groove I like sometimes. uh, If I just reverse what I played, I play something like, See, now it's kind of agreeing because it's the same length, and uh, it's it's kind of supporting one another. Right.
0: It feels like it's one one thing. Right.
1: Rather than just autopilot yeah. and then play a phrase here.
0: What is it that—why do we fall into these ostinato ruts, do you think?
1: I think maybe, maybe somebody used it on a kind of a fusion thing, and people listened to it and thought, oh, that's samba, mm-hmm. you know, without mm-hmm. checking out. And that's like, that's my big thing. you got to check out the roots of all this stuff. Right. And then you get the feeling of it. Like, uh, for example, Calypso, maybe I'll do Calypso for another. Great. Group. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a percussion group in Trinidad called Lavantille Rhythm Section. And I don't know how many people outside of Trinidad know them, but a student turned me on to them because he had grown up in Trinidad and it is just the sickest groove i don't know I just it'll groove you into bad health you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh and these guys are playing all kinds of drums and african percussion and uh it's the same as calypso basically rhythmically so when i really want if i have a calypso gig or something like that i'll listen to a bunch of Lavantil rhythm section just to get that that mm-hmm. inspiration mm-hmm. And I'll come and just try to generate that feeling with what I play here and uh, that works with a lot of different things you know like uh, I was working with the WDR big band and Pernell Saturnino a great percussionist was on the gig and he gave me a CD of uh, Rapsodia Rumbera where all the old Rumberos came together and formed this new style and actually Horacio El Negro had given me that tape of that years ago. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. And I was listening to it like crazy. And then we got on the gig and and he, somewhere in the gig, he said, oh, you've been listening to a lot of rumba, huh? You know, just because it's, it's just right. became such an influence. Yeah. So really whatever you're i guess whatever you're whatever you're drinking is gonna it's gonna come out right you're right right. in your case my case the the best the best juice juice
0: then celery beetle juice lemons i I have another uh, question about samba and basa because i i don't know if this is a misconception but a lot of times it seems like students think that bossa is slow and samba right, is fast.
1: Right, that's can, a good one. Can you
0: have a fast bossa and can you have a slow samba?
1: Well, I think bossas go up to kind of medium tempo. I mean, maybe not even that fast, but samba could be anything from really fast to super slow. And the slow samba is called Samba Canção, mm. which means literally tired samba. Ah. <laughs>
0: wow, really, that slow?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Wow. It can be as slow as any bossa, really. Wow. It just depends on what attitude you play with it, and there could be anything in between. So like the you big two
0: a- is that? Does that kind of tell you this is samba? Like, yeah,
1: yeah. Is that something
0: that says, "Oh, we're playing samba"?
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's the orchestration. Like, if there's a, if there's some percussion, you know, different percussion, I go go, something like that. Okay. But if if it's uh, if it's more subtle with guitar and shaker and very light percussion, then it's usually bossa. Okay. But you know you can play you can play a bossa nova tune with a samba attitude and vice versa. hmm So. Right. You know. But if you listen to the roots samba stuff, you hear more simple chord progressions and heavy percussion. Technically speaking, when you hear bossa, you hear more chord tensions and a simpler bass line. Right. And then when you hear choral, which is another form in that neighborhood, you hear a lot of counterpoint and you hear a lot of counterpoint in the lower register. Mm-hmm. Like they have seven string guitars they mm-hmm. used. So it's not just It's more like It's always a counterpoint. Everything's contrapuntal mm-hmm. in uh shoro. And shore means to cry. So it's almost like very expressive, you know. Right. Oh, you know, but uh, but uh, probably has a relation to Portuguese fado, but I don't really know much about that, so okay. I'll shut my mouth. And okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great, man. Yeah. That, the the whole idea of not unison, but like outlining the pattern here, if you're playing sixteenth mm-hmm. notes and accenting based on that pattern, is so. So great.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it can be a subtle accent too. It doesn't have to be a really, right. really big one. It doesn't have to be like the shank of the stick as opposed to the.
0: It's almost like just tip. adding a t- timbre quality to this. Yeah. To just give a little brightness to yeah. it, to the click.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important for everybody to balance, you know, the different voices going on at the same right. time because mm-hmm. sometimes. They might be real light on the hat, but like kick is like bam bam. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like right. okay, take it easy. Let's uh, let's uh, remix this a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's very
0: popular in college, or maybe even later in high school, to do samba foot ostinatos. Don't tickle, don't A ride pattern. Uh huh. And then read Ted Reed's syncopation book. Oh, right? yeah. You know. Oh yeah. To work out some coordination and phrasing concepts. Yeah. But because of that, we go into this. Motor thing of don't do do is what samba becomes for right. a lot of people. Right. And when the bass player might be playing, eventually you learn that you can go get, go, get, go, and it's okay. Yeah. yeah. So again, it probably just comes to hearing the music, listening to it enough to go. Yes, there are some rules we learn in academic settings. If they're not studying with someone like you, you know the general teacher is going to say boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom, ding, diga, ding, diga, ding, duck, 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 duck." or whatever pattern here. That's your samba.
1: Right, right, right. Go
0: off into the world, and there's how you play your samba. Right. But again, listening to the roots of it, understanding. What it is as a
1: learning as a, repertoire,
0: le- learning the repertoire.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like uh, it was. I can't remember this name. This guy from uh, Michigan State University he said the paper don't swing. Yeah. You know. So it's, I feel like the book is the last thing you should look at. Mm-hmm. You know, I've played so many gigs where they called off the tune in Portuguese, and I would be like, huh? Mm. They just say samba. All right. <laughs> but after a while, I kind of started recognizing the titles.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, and then I knew what they were going to do and I knew the tune and it became like it was kind of like standard repertoire. So on any type of gig where you play samba, if you're playing with Brazilian players, you know, you can you can learn the repertoire. You can write down. You just have to understand a little bit of Portuguese. the first time i went to brazil by myself which was the second time i went to brazil was a singer invited me down and she was taking me around to clubs and uh around 1994 and she took me to this club and uh there was a band there and she convinced them to let me sit in and these guys are like who's this guy you know and uh and so they called uh the stevie wonder tune probably like I just called to say I love you or something, something that I couldn't destroy. Right. And so, you know, I'm, or, or you are the sunshine of my life. Sure. Okay. I'm yeah. Yeah. So, you know, playing bossa, and I'm playing, you know, just trying to groove and get a good vibe going. And they start smiling and start to warm up and then they say, OK, what do you want to play? I said, how about bala kumbala? And they're like, oh, you know that tune. All right. You started burning on it up samba and then people started dancing. I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna live.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> job well done. There's dancing. Isn't that interesting in that art form? If the dancing is happening, you're doing your job.
1: Exactly.
0: But we've gotten such, we've gotten so intellectual with jazz that if someone's dancing, they aren't listening to the music.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, but sometimes you can't help but dance. Like you've uh, got to move, right? I remember doing this gig at Smalls, mm-hmm. and uh, we finished the gig, and there were people talking to me, and I thought it was. Right, right, And then Bill Stewart gets up to play, and I'm like, "This guy has perfect time." Yeah. And all I could do was start dancing to what he was playing. Yeah,
0: because, yeah. There's a
1: dance in his playing. Like so. I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't right. stand still. Yeah. You're know, like, man. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> right. Jazz is dance music. It, you know, it really is. Yeah. I mean, whether people are sitting and bobbing their heads or whatever. Uh, you know, I I was fortunate to do jobbing dates here because we had to make them dance to get overtime
0: right right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that's why I learned to make people make people dance yeah
0: and that's a good lesson just in general I mean the music not not necessarily literally dancing but something that allows people to feel moved by the music Yeah, yeah you have to perform it in a way that you are coming from a deeper emotional space than just The intellectual, I know the rules of this style.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, that's from up here. Here are the patterns
0: that work for this song.
1: Right, right.
0: Instead of making music. I was going to ask also, because you were saying varying this, Mm -hmm. and of course my question about clave, you know, in Cuban music, the clave is sort of a rule that has to remain, and if you want to turn the clave around, you play a a phrase of nine bars or whatever, or seven bars. So the clave stays. Yeah, the arrangement turns around. But in, yeah. but you were talking about varying what I would consider kind of the clave part of the of the groove yeah, in a would, musical way. Yeah. So yeah. are you responding to what's going on in the music and being counterpoint to what's going on? Like a baron player will kind of tune, change the pitch of their drum mm-hmm. as they're you know as the melody of the fiddle or whatever is happening they're they're um, kind of playing melodies on the drum. Oh cool. Based on the actual music. Yeah, yeah. So you're not just playing patterns that feel good and things that that work for your own body. You're actually trying to
1: you're interacting.
0: You're being musical with
1: it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, like if I'm playing uh, if I'm comping on the cross stick I'm listening to what the vocalist is singing mm-hmm. and I'm comping like a jazz player would comp. Right you know because if they really know the phrasing then it's going to be it's going to be consistent enough so that it mm-hmm. that basic tambourine and sort of fit right but you can make leaps mhm you can play dotted notes until you get to the beginning right. of the phrase or whatever right. and that's how you you know that's how you kind of make it levitate a little bit
0: yeah so the jazz mind the jazz mentality is that the idea of improvising as a unit mhm that is done in all forms of music nowadays maybe do you think it was that way in tradition
1: i think well yeah i mean there's always somebody in the percussion section that's going to be kind of improvising on top of it i Mm -hmm. mean all the way back from african percussion right um there's always a part that's so-called quinto parts you know that would be like the lead drum and rumba interacting with the dancer that's kind of important the drummers looking what the dancers doing and playing something representing that. Right. And sometimes the dancer would try to f- trick the drummer, and sometimes there's a conversation going on. Yeah. So uh, I didn't even realize that was happening until I started playing uh, bomba a plena with William Cepeda because he had a dancer on the gig. Wow. So that was an eye opener. Mm-hmm. You know. And now I look for that in whatever style there is. There's always that somewhere. So. For us, it's wherever we want it to be.
0: Right. You know? So you're not just interacting with the musicians with your hearing, but you're having to maybe interact with a dancer, which you have to watch. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe you could just listen. Yeah.
1: And I remember, uh, just come to think of it, uh, Kenwood Denard, mm-hmm. he would have a dancer on some of his gigs. Really? Yeah, hmm. or, or his clinics. Wow. Yeah, I wow. thought that was interesting.
0: Wow. I've seen his clinic, but I never, never saw it. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's, maybe it was a long time ago, but there's at least a couple of clips where he has a dancer. Uh-huh, Yeah.
0: that's great, that's great.
1: Yeah, so uh, the groove number two.
0: Yeah, so is, that's uh, Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, so that's samba, like a little bit of bossa. the samba and bossa. Okay.
1: Uh, the second groove that I thought of would be to kind of go back to my roots in Chicago okay. and do a shuffle, uh, more specifically like a swing shuffle. So I chose this because this is kind of where rock, jazz, and blues meet at the crossroads because this would fit in any of those genres really. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe volume wise, if it were rock, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say maybe it'd be more powerful, but maybe not. It just depends on what era we're talking about, what tune we're talking about. So anyway, the shuffle would be in the left hand. and. Uh, It'd be sort of a standard ride pattern in the right and kind of a light feathering here maybe more than light slightly heavier and then two and four here so, so. The thing to keep in mind with this is that every single limb is hitting on two and four at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, as the people down at the AFM say, your strength is in your union. You know, even if you're playing at this volume, it's going to sound stronger if everything's playing together than if you were playing at this volume. It's just going to sound stronger because it's unified. Mm -hmm. So, that's one point I want to make about that. And the other is of course the balance things have to be well balanced you, know, you can't just have like a i don't know you could tailor it to the music mm-hmm. i was going to say maybe the kick could come up sometimes maybe come down for certain things maybe for acoustic bass you want to play a little softer uh, and also i hear a lot of students when i ask for a shuffle sometimes they play for some reason i really like hearing that one Because it's the full, it's the full shuffle. Right. And I think that's really important. And um, then another way, I was gonna say, to put some grease on it, but I guess, in our case, to put some essential oil on it, would be uh, to make it a .8s and (laughs) 16th. Because I hear a lot of people trying to play a triplet. Almost it's almost going a little too straight.
0: straightens out a little too much. Yeah,
1: yeah. So if you make it a real true dotted eighths and sixteenth, when the rest of the band is playing a triplet feel and the soloist or vocalist is backphrasing, then you got this nice thing for that to rest on, and it's somehow the combination of that really really works.
0: Yeah. I mean that's happening in in the Texas shuffle. Yeah, where, which I
1: don't really know anything about. Where you're you
0: know, the drummer and the bass player may be playing very triplet oriented stuff mm-hmm. and the guitarist might one of the guitarists might be going dik oh. almost straight, almost triplet, but the go-go do, do go And you you get this huge yeah. groove. That's amazing. But everyone has to remain in their role, which yeah. is a hard hard one to learn yeah. the fun part is the guitar part.
1: Right, and right. so you might
0: want to play that with them, but then all of a sudden you lose that tension. Wow! So to maintain your role, and then usually it's the guitar player or the pianist who kick, 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 kick. Oh hit,
1: man, hit. that's amazing!
0: And like, it just like fattens it up a lot. Yeah, there's so you many know, shuffles like Texas, Kansas yeah. City, the Chicago shuffle.
1: Yeah, right. uh when you were talking about the guitar part, that kind of reminded me there's a groove in uh, Colombian music called Cumbia, mm-hmm. where it's primarily straight parts, but then the uh, main soloist, the Allegri drum is swinging. Yeah. But the combination just works like, yep. like a charm.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to miss the yoga class? Uh-oh, it's five minutes. Is mm. it
0: really? Dang it. <laughs> Why do we do this? Why do we get so carried away when we're talking about Because we're having
1: fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just do it after, right? Yeah, we'll just do okay. it after. Cool. Yeah, so I guess I'll talk a little bit. Maybe I'll divide it up into... Uh, I'll just talk about general Caribbean music and... Cool. Great, Philip. yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Afro-Cuban, Puerto Rican. I mean, it's kind of it kind of goes on a little bit, so I'll try to make everything more concise. Good. But uh, people ask the difference between calypso and soca, and really when you come down to it, they're kind of interchangeable. Mm. I mean, soca happened a little bit later, but uh, there are tons of different calypso grooves and tons of different soca grooves, and sometimes you hear something that sounds like soca on a calypso record. Mm. So if you get to know some of the big artists in Calypso then you start to you start to get a vibe for what's possible Mm -hmm. Uh, so one of the main people in Calypso on top of the scene for say 40 years was Lord Kitchener and he used to do all these songs with double meanings uh, called smut music and uh and uh super talented and super grooving and uh you know, the whole steel band movement was really a phenomenon too, because um, for a while in Trinidad, drums were banned by the British because they were afraid that the people would revolt. Wow. Uh, wow. Playing drums. Huh. So they started banging on whatever was around, and um, Ellie Manette, who just passed away a year ago, was one of the people to discover that when you hit a, an oil drum in two different spots, if it's dented a certain way, you get two different pitches. Mm-hmm. And he thought, Hmm, maybe I could tune this. So he mm-hmm. fast forward, uh, you have calypso steel bands playing in carnival. You, they play in concert halls. They can play complete symphonic works, pretty much anything, right? Uh, swing doesn't really translate so much, mm. you know, because right. you don't really have walking bass on pants, but everything else. And um, and you've got these finely crafted instruments, you know. So, Ellie was the one of the first ones to get the modern steel band together and train people to do it. So, he's got a lot of uh, disciples wow. who wow. make bands. And now and, every
0: major university has a steel band yeah. as well.
1: And uh, that's around the world. Yeah, yeah. they do wow. in Japan and Switzerland and yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, one of the rhythms that's most common, you know, for Calypso, so almost like a almost like a go-to calypso groove would be uh something like this. Okay, so that's one of many things happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh they often play congas, two congas with mallets, because mm-hmm. it's easier to play that way than, you mm-hmm. know, mess up your hands. So the pattern you hear is quite often... <igible> and there's some other, uh, what they call scratchers, which is basically like a metal wita. Mm-hmm. <wsz�� prohibitedittee>. It sounds like a, like a real loose ride cymbal. Right. And then they have this thing that they call the iron and it's actually a brake drum.
0: Okay.
1: A metal brake drum that's played with two triangle beaters. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about the brake drum, the iron, is that when you're up close to it, you can hardly hear it in the whole percussion section, but if you go out there, it's dominating the mix. Wow. Just these little t- triangle beaters, huh. yeah. So collectively, the percussion section, and there's people playing cowbells and different things, but collectively, the whole percussion section aside from the steel bands, is called the engine room. Mm. So that's, that's the idea. It's got this, this engine of the whole thing. And uh, when steel bands perform, they, they memorize all the arrangements because it's quite often they're playing outside and they, there's no room for music stands and mm-hmm. there's too much to carry and all that. So there are two people that know the entire arrangement down, and that is the arranger and the drummer, because the drummer has to rehearse with all the sections to learn each part of the arrangement. Wow. And they wow. rehearsed for months. So they, they you know, and I, I worked with the uh, Trinidad All-Stars and I swear I was looking at this girl playing steel, uh, playing um, bass pan and she was just nailing her part, like almost like doing it in her sleep. And then for a, for a second, her eyes gazed on me for a second and then I felt like I was looking at an alien, like a machine, like whoop, whoop just nailing the part like nothing could get in the way so she was like deep in the wow meditation of wow that so yeah. i think that's what it is and it's a real kind of community thing there are a lot of people that do regular jobs during the day or go to school and then they devote themselves to the steel band at night
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh anyway so not to get too far into the history and all that but um now a couple of things modifications i've made if i've been playing uh, without a percussionist is to do this on one hand and then throw in a few things on the snare. So that's the kind of stuff I started incorporating when I was playing with a uh, Andy Norell, Dave Samuels and Paquito mm-hmm. de Rivera and the Caribbean Jazz Project because there was no budget for percussionists on the gig. Or there would be a session and there would be Luis Conte or right. Bernard Saturnino or uh, a couple of other percussionists worked with us. So I tried to find ways to fill it up a little bit just to just to get that thing. Now the intro thing, the intro phrase that I played, that's very common in caribbean music is called the sinquio like cinco being five cinquillo. it's kind of a rhythmic cell that if you play it totally straight as written that 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 but you can start to stretch it out a little bit that and you'll notice in a lot of caribbean styles that the vocal phrasing is often phrasing almost in five so there's a real relationship to five Wow. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. huh. I, I was just looking at a YouTube video of rah-rah music from Haiti. Do, 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 do. They, they have these long tubes that are blowing through and tapping on. Right. And there's a percussionist playing. It sounded like... It's like five, in more and feet and out, in and, right. and out of, uh, to that sink Yeah. Yeah. It'll freak you out <laughs> if you haven't heard are it. Are
0: those the kids that are kind of like on a dirt road? <laughs> yeah. On the side of yeah. the fence and like a mountain? T- exactly. Like, yes, that's the one. That's I've never one. seen that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It- So the Cinquille shows up in a lot of French Caribbean rhythms, mm-hmm. like uh, Begin. well I need a floor tom for this but you can also play it like this. So that's how it actually started out before they started playing floor tom. And they cross over to play the floor tom usually. Huh. And the first note is muted and the Let me
0: get a floor time just
1: so we can hear it. Sure, that. sure.
0: Yeah. Wow, yeah. cool. Oop.
1: It's kinda of low. Is that okay? Cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good. Okay, so uh, this style is called Biggin. It's from uh, Martinique. And that, that comes from just... a whole different set of percussion instruments, Man. including like a djembe kind of drum called the uh, t and, uh, and the way they play on that solo, you can hear it in sort of different dimensions. It's really freaky when you hear it. Wow. So, yeah, I've used some of these rhythms, kind of slipped them into different things just to see how they would work. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they work in uh, like a pop context. That's the nice thing about all these rhythms because uh, they're kind of related to what Yeah the current pop scene is
0: yeah and they're playing it on a floor tom or are they playing it on a drum on its own is it is it a well drum if, set if it's part? a drum
1: set yeah if it's a drum set player they'll play it on the floor tom but uh-huh. if it's a uh, if it's just percussion there's somebody playing a uh, a block and then a djembe type drum oh and then uh, a shaker uh-huh. uh but twisted like that, that, Right. held the uh-huh. beats held and twisted you know, more like cabasa, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so moving on to that's super advanced. Yeah, I mean,
0: that's not your normal, you know, calypso, soca kind of. Even even a soca seems like it's an easy groove. I right, mean, it's something that we maybe take for granted. We kind of a simul- you know, kind of do a, a version of it in pop music.
1: Right, sort of like a, like that. And there's also a kind of soca where the bass drum's not on the beat all the time. It's one, two, three, four, one, two, and that's kind of cool. There was a name for that, and I've, I'm spacing out. I can't remember what it was, but hmm. I've used that. Uh, I got to play with uh, Andy, and in the context, with somebody who studied with Lord Kitchener for many years. His name is uh, Relator. Used mm-hmm. to be called Lord Relator, but mm-hmm. Relator. And he, this guy is amazing. He can make up verses on the spot with a punchline and just about any subject. You know, Sometimes he asks the audience, give me a topic. And they'll say whatever you know, and he'll just come up with something really funny. And he was trying to explain how to do it. He just said, "You got to attack, you know, just go for it."
0: Right, like the freestyle rappers who are <laughs> exactly. just able to exactly. just go. Yeah,
1: that just—it's incredible, just amazing. Yes, you know, to have that thing.
0: Wow, because so so the, um, um I mean you hear that in, sango sometimes right? The, the yeah bass, yeah. Sometimes gong timba, don't go right? Yeah or yeah. Your timba
1: yeah. The timba, the timba thing is like more, uh, it's more, everything's more displaced. Uh-huh. You don't have like a standard montuno. You don't have a standard baseline. Okay. You might have cascada and clave and stuff like that, but everything else on the kick and snare is going to be all over the place mm-hmm. in a good way. In a good way, right. <laughs> like just as funky as you can make it and then multiply that by. Yeah. Clave. But always in clave.
0: Yeah.
1: That's, that's amazing. But, uh. Yeah, so if there's somebody who doesn't really know any Afro-Cuban basics, I mean, really all that songo and timba music was largely based on the influence of David Garibaldi and Tower Power and mm-hmm. that kind of thing in Cuba. So, uh, like uh, one of the early recordings of Los Van Van, yeah. in one of the, those early recordings, Changuito, the great drummer, who later became the timbale player, was playing something like the... It would be two toms, but, you know, just doing that. Mm -hmm. So you can hear that. It sort of sounds like Mm -hmm. Tower of Power. Right, right, yeah. But then you can hear... You know, right? And, and so when you actually, you know, when you see it in a book, it's like. But that's only like a snapshot of right, what it actually what we, was. Right. You can hear him putting it in different places and playing it differently for each tune.
0: Yeah.
1: And in Los Van Van, uh, the leader was the bass player. So a lot of the songs were based on the bass line. If you listen to each tune, you mm-hmm. can hear that's the whole thing. And so it was always uh, when he was playing traps. He was always experimenting, and and really the person that was holding it down was the wido player. So sometimes when I play songo without a wido player, I try to get that feeling by playing. So really I'm not playing anything different than like funk but kind of broken up here. Right. But with a clave in mind. Yeah. Like there's certain things I wouldn't do because they might sound like I'm turning the clave around.
0: And kind of avoiding one a little bit with the bass drum.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so the bass drum part is in songo and timba it's much freer because the bass line is not necessarily tied to like a standard tumbao. Mm -hmm. But there may be a tumba, mm-hmm. it just depends on the tune. Right. So, you know, like as we said before, the paper don't swing. Right. And we just have to take it case by case mm-hmm. and listen to different tunes. I mean, the first time I recorded, I think, the re- first time I recorded a song of groove was on Paquito's record called Reunion, and the tune was Reunion, and I was playing Because I didn't know any better. <laughs> right. The but Sangho. it worked. Right. It worked. It worked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Giovanni was on the session, and Daniel Lopez was on the session. And, and they were fine with it. It was cool. Of <laughs> course. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. God, but, those things are so closely related. It's just amazing. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. To my ear, I'm hearing things. I mean, I feel like I wouldn't be able to, to like, I feel like a lot of the things that you played would all work. But do they? I mean, are yeah, there it just, rules depends just depends on the music. Just depends on the music.
1: Like if you decide, okay, I'm going to play this Veloz van, van tune then you have to figure, okay, is it more loose, improvisational, uh, more like the early '70s, or is it more timbali based Yeah, where he's playing the cascada and then throwing in this and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if for students, if you know Afro-Cuban basics, I think that's for for. Son or mambo or salsa, whatever you want to call it, Uh, basically the right hand parts are kind of the most important for us, and they all come from timbales or congas or cowbell parts. So you have the cascara, and a lot of people don't know this, but the cascara can be played on hi hat as well, or the side of the floor tom. I always ask before I play. Yeah, I bet it sounds
0: cool on that drum, actually.
1: Yeah 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 it's cool like a pan (laughs) yeah why not (laughs) but um, I think it's important to know why we play these patterns Mm -hmm. why is the cascade played the cascade is played to leave space for the other stuff happening in the music like vocals bass solos piano solos something softer that needs space you're not going to play a cowbell on a piano solo necessarily Mm -hmm. unless it's you know super aggressive so you know maybe someone will but in a typical arrangement you wouldn't you'd play the uh on maybe on the hi-hat if you're a drummer and you can actually fill it in. You know, put a couple of extra notes in there if you want to. So that that provides a nice, nice foundation for the music. Now when the chorus is happening or a more exciting soloist, um, I wouldn't say exciting, but like uh, Just something that's more
0: More, high level volume. Trumpet solo or something uh like that.
1: That's when the bells are happening. Uh So uh, the timbali bell pattern, if I'm talking about two, three, clave, which I've just just demonstrated. Um, If I play the bell pattern, from the timbales, it would be. Now, if you notice, I just EQ'd that pattern. hmm I don't use the tip. I mean, on this cymbal, sounds not bad. You know, it sounds pretty good. But I use somewhere along here mm-hmm. for the sound, and I play it in the exact place. I don't move it. Because I want it to sound like a timbali stick hitting the top of a bell, mm-hmm. ding 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 It's not like gong gong right. That's another pattern, yeah, so okay. the handbell pattern played by the bongo player on the choruses it's gong So it's like two different sounds, like the opposite ends of the bell, a handbell with no hardware on it. so I rarely play it on the cymbal bell, but if I do. I strike the same exact spot all the time on the bell, and I use two different parts of the stick, the thicker and the thinner. So it's like... But again, that doesn't happen very much because I usually have a cowbell. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And quite often I'll mount it here and I'll turn the stick around and play it like this so I can get that... Right. Sound on the other end right. instead of just playing it with a stick because sometimes the tip sounds a little weak right in the center of the bell, so that uh-huh. I just turn it around. I like having it mounted there because it's really convenient, right? But sometimes I had it mounted over here too. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you know, everybody puts it in every place. Mm-hmm. Like some of the Cuban drummers playing timbal, they have a whole timbali set over here and they have bells and blocks over here, like cascara, and then interspersing some funky back beats and mm-hmm. bass drum. It all depends on the arrangement. So, if you know the cascara, the mambo bell or timbali bell, and the hand bell or bongo bell patterns, then that's a lot. Mm Because those are really the, the essential patterns. Everything else is kind of icing on the cake. So, if you play cascara with clave, that's cool. Or you can just go. No one has to play the clave, it's implied in the part, Mm -hmm. but if you want to play it, that's cool too. Uh, But you know, I always adjust according to who's on the gig. Mm -hmm. Like I had a funny experience last year uh, in November, I did a a concert, Bobby Allende called me for a concert with uh, Eddie Palmieri, Sheila E. and Tito Rojas. And none of them showed up to the rehearsal. But it was a Chris, Christopher McBride big band, so Christopher McBride was rehearsing us. We we're just going through the charts, so I was playing everything at the rehearsal, and then a little less at the sound check because some of them were there, and then all of a sudden an extra percussionist shows up, so I'm just playing the hat the whole night, you know, right? Because they they've got it all covered. Yeah. So that's that's another consideration. You really have to, you know, you really have to. Uh, give people their space
0: yeah super important
1: yeah hmm and then they're happy like Amadito Valdez uh, he was from the uh, Buena Vista Social Club and we did some concerts together and we wound up playing together a little bit and he plays timbales and I swear he played the least notes of any percussionist I've ever heard and people were going absolutely crazy something about the way he played like, interspersing that 6-8 feel and 4-4 four, four just drove people crazy in a good way. And so I wasn't going to try to play the same thing as him. I avoided playing casca and I avoided playing the bell patterns. I just played, like, something funky on the hat, and it worked, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that goes back to what Paquito said, uh, just play something that works. Like, I, there, we were on a session together, and I couldn't really hear the clave in the arrangement, the clave direction, so I wasn't sure which which way to go. And, um, so I asked the arranger, Carlos Francetti, I can't hear the clave in this. What, what clave is this said? He said, Oh, I don't know anything about that. I'm from Argentina. Go ask Paquito. So Paquito, I can't hear the clave. What do you think? He said, Coño, just play something that works. And I thought, ah, clave neutral." clave neutral. So if you don't know what the clave direction is, kind of the equivalent of. Right, right. It's like you're not giving it up, until you hear it, until you really hear it in the music. Uh huh. So you can play a whole tune like that, and you can still make people dance. Yeah. Even if you're not playing the clave, so clave neutral. Right. Wow. <laughs> Somehow it works. So great. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of other grooves we can go over, but we'll be here all day. Yeah, I know. Your, oh, I don't want no. you
0: to miss your gig. It's un. It's unending. Yeah. It's unending yeah it's just amazing that you've you've mastered so many of them like you've really you've been put in the position where you've not had to learn them but you've had the opportunity to spend your time really going down a lot of rabbit holes and learning all these different cultures music which is it's kind of a luxury in a way and it's also kind of just amazing it's turned into a whole career for you
1: I guess it has I mean uh I One thing is, I really love the music, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, I, I listen to it and yeah. really enjoy it, and uh, I really love the the different feels you can get Yeah, that just are not found in certain types of music. Right. You know, it's like we were talking about that guitarist playing a certain way mm-hmm. in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Like a, in festejo, for example, from Peru, you have something like... How can you transcribe that? Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you can write it out in 12 eighth or you can write it out in eighths and 16ths and just say lay back lay back but you know. Right. If you hear the music then you hear how everything goes together. So that's what I'm hearing in my head. Yeah. But I was in a, I was in a situation where I really had to had to do it. So that's why I got it together as quickly as right. I could. Right. But yeah, I've had my times where I've fallen on my face. You know, playing certain grooves.
0: <laughs> now, I mean, obviously there are guys in each of these countries that play drum set, mm-hmm. and they do it really well, and they can play those styles. Why do you think you're the one getting called for a lot of gigs that someone that's actually from there, from a country, would get it?
1: Well, you know, it's there's a lot of factors. I mean, uh, maybe maybe I can read better, or maybe I'm closer to the person who's hiring me to, or closer to the gig, mm-hmm. or, um, maybe I have, maybe I have more experience in more different styles than they do. Uh, but you know, chances are things are less expensive down there, so they'll be cheaper.
0: <laughs>
1: They're cheaper. Right, 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 right.
0: But I mean, your network, your, your relationships, right. all these things that are so important for a professional career. Right. That see, I mean... It just all kind of builds on itself, right? You build your relationships. Mm-hmm. You're cool. You're professional. You can read. You can you can do the thing.
1: You show up. You
0: show up. Right.
1: That's <laughs> right. And
0: I mean, uh, I mean, when you were in Chicago, Howard Levy is the one that brought you into Paquito's thing, right? Right. He was right. playing piano with Paquito. At the yeah, time. that's right. And so that, I mean, that was a relationship that moved into another relationship and exactly it just, exactly, it keeps, it, gro- it keeps growing yeah up.
1: and you just you know you just everybody loves music and loves to play and loves to get together and mm-hmm. there's going to be some time where a person that you really look up to or idolize is not going to be able to make it so right. just be ready to step in because right. it's going to happen yeah you know and now that's that's happening with my students like they're they're starting to work with Paquito and different people and mm-hmm. um, you know stealing my gig, so to speak, but right. that's,
0: that's great. Do you feel like um, you had to leave Chicago, or do you, was that, what was that decision based on, to go to New York first, is that where you went first? I
1: went What's to New mean? York and lived there for about 10 years. I think I just wanted to see what it was like, mm-hmm. and also uh, I had met Michelle Camilo backstage in 1989, because um, I was playing there with Paquito, And i said oh michelle i love your music i'd love to play with you sometime he said yeah i moved to new york and we'll do some playing and that kind of planted a seed in my head and actually when i got there um i didn't know how to get in touch with him and i looked on the back of the cd and there there was a phone number on there so i called him up and he sent me some charts and then next thing you know el negro got the gig with santana and he called me so you know i can't say i was totally ready for it but it was man it was a great experience yeah and Paquito was totally cool. He let me out of a tour. And Antonio Sanchez, some for me.
0: Wow, really?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. He's a Berkeley so, kid, right? I mean, he went Antonio? to Berkeley. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And he was amazing then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he came from like a real fusion rock kind of background, too. Mm-hmm. But really got the jazz thing happening. Very much so. Yeah. So you moved to New York just
0: because you were interested in another picture of the, of the scene
1: yeah I was just uh, I was thinking you know I had gotten a taste of touring with Paquito and Lyle Mays you know Mark Johnson was on it mm-hmm. and I wanted to get into that world and uh, I immediately got busy with Caribbean Jazz Project on the road and gigs around town like Brazilian gigs there were a few sessions but uh, you know when you're on the road a lot they call you once they call you twice and then they stop calling mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did a few things mm-hmm. I, was, I was also working with this singer named Linda Etter Mm-hmm. It was a totally different bag, but we were doing some concerts around, and uh, they got me on some records, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was fun. There's some big band stuff.
0: And so, then you moved to Boston because of
1: Berkeley. Yeah, so I got the gig in Berkeley in two thousand one, and in two thousand five, we moved up to Natick, Massachusetts. I kind of got tired of the commute from New Jersey, you know, all going all that way. But also I was traveling a lot more at the time Mm -hmm. and I was always up at school doing makeup. So I figured, okay, why not be closer to there and just, you know, be closer to the school so I can just go in whenever I need to. Right. So, yeah, it's nice being up there. There's a lot of a lot of interesting things going on, a lot of great players and a lot of opportunities through Berkeley to play. Right. Yeah. And record. Yeah. So I just got a uh, recording grant, faculty recording grant. So oh, cool. I'm Working on a big band record.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yes. So you're writing. That's what you're writing for right now. Is I'm this trying. big band record? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And definitely. will you will you use who will you use for the big band?
1: Uh, you know it had, I've already done a few, a couple of sessions, and it's been different players mm-hmm. all the time. But basically, I'm using Greg Hopkins, a uh, great trumpet player and arranger, mm-hmm. to contract the band. Okay. So. Last couple of sessions, he got a great band together and uh, different rhythm sections, but it's all it's all great players. Boston guys
0: or New yeah. York guys coming up? Yeah. yeah Boston guys.
1: But I hope, to get, uh, I hope to get a couple of guests on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did a gig in France and Jerry Goodman was on it. Oh, wow. And he said, yeah, man, just let me know. I'll play on your stuff. So I'm thinking, okay, great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. And, uh, you know, some other people I have in mind. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens cool that's great yeah man this has been awesome it has it's been so it has. cool it's been a really amazing yeah four days I'm,
0: i think i'm gonna be sad when i wake up tomorrow and you're not here i know <laughs> it's, it's like i'm so used to it. i'm so used to seeing you in the morning yeah. all the way until the almost the evening
1: it's, yeah it's well the nice cool. thing is i'll be back soon
0: yeah you'll be back in february yeah and uh i'm gonna put this is going to be a long podcast and video series. I don't know how okay. I'm going to release it. but Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that I put a bunch of links in so people can go to all your places. That's good, that's good, yeah. And hear different records, and I'll go back and try to capture all the names that you've mentioned mm-hmm. and try to create links to all that stuff. Cool. Because, mm-hmm. man, I mean, tons yeah. of names that I haven't heard that I want to... Dive into and hear these things, and.
1: and you know what I can do. I can uh, I can compile a list of uh, links for the different styles that I talked about. Yeah. So that. That would be you know, awesome. Yeah, because there's be some awesome. people I didn't mention mm-hmm. that I got had experience with, and. Cool. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I know this isn't the last time that we'll we'll hang. That's sure. right. That's right. Just, yeah, I'm going
1: to be a regular here. <laughs> we just started, I know, right? Yeah, it's great.
0: And man, I, did, I totally forgot to mention that Howard Levy lives. Three blocks from here. Really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's amazing. And he was playing last night. Really? Not that we would have been able to oh, yeah, get Yeah, He was yeah. playing in Evanston. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's doing his Hanukkah holiday Hanukkah thing. Oh man, that's great. So next time you're in, if you can come up, we can call Howard. Absolutely. Have him come down and we'll that would be great. Go have lunch or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping he'll sit in again. I'm sure he will. You you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, It's going to be interesting having Ernie on the gig. Richard. Ernie, Den- Ernie Den- oh, yeah. oh, Ernie Oh, Ernie's yeah, yeah. playing. Oh, yeah. nice. So, I'm going to rearrange the music for, you know. Oh, cool. Guitar as well. Yeah. As, I mean, I'm not going to try to blend him with the horns, but like unisons and stuff like that. Yeah. But he's, he's such a great player. Yeah. Man. I love Ernie. We got a history.
0: I'm sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks so much. Thank
1: you. It's been the best experience. It has. Yeah, man. It's
0: been so nice. So inspiring and enriching.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Right. I don't think
1: I've ever practiced so
0: hard on two minutes of music in my life. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was historic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Hope it comes out all right. All
0: right. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.